Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all. It's uh, NFL Draft Digest brought to you by NFL Draft Bible. I'm your host right now, Joe Everett, Director of College Scouting at the Draft Bible with you uh, each and every week for our brand new premium blog talk radio show out here. Uh, we got that new platform coming at you every single week before the draft. Uh, sort of relaunched uh, everything. We've got the five new scouting reports going on. Uh, just Everything's happening all at once because it's January. So uh, more live shows, more reports, more NFL draft information from uh, from all of our writers, including Justin Gamble. I've got you on there, Justin. Uh, say hello to the people. Tell us what the good word is out west. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. Um, I am so excited, man. This is officially draft season, dude. I mean, the the final, the national championship's done. We are ready to go. Um, Smokescreen season is in full effect, and you know the underclassmen are declaring left and right. This is just the the best time of year, man. Christmas, what's that, man? Draft season, where's that? Heck yeah, man! I'm glad it started. We got the good information out there, and and we got the boss man on the line, the RIC. Uh, right as the show starts, uh, good to have yeah, you back, on. Baby. What, what's up? <laughs> I'm back, baby. <laughs> We did it, baby. We're getting ready. It's uh, it's balls to the walls coverage. I mean, listen, NFLDraftBible.com is putting out five new scouting reports every single day. Like, who else does that? Nobody. Nobody does that in the business. That's why we're the best, baby. Check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. We got my man Justin Gamble at Game Scout. We got Joe W. Everett. We got RIC in the place to be, Rick Saratello, telling like it is. And, uh, yeah, Joe, you know, they can't hold us down. They want to cut me off here on Blog Talk Radio. Your seatbelt's over here. You got to <laughs> buckle up, baby. Double chin strap kind of day. And uh, listen, a lot of good things going on with the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. We're getting ready to depart here. I'll be out there on Sunday. Uh, we'll have exclusive coverage over there. Our guy Chris Shanafelt's going to be down in Tampa Bay with the uh, East West Shrine game. We're going to preview the top players in each game, some players to keep an eye on. Justin, you heard him mention the underclassmen are declaring, I can't even. Blink without a new, uh, you know, email coming down the wire with an underclassman declaring, and according to the NFL Draft Bible record keeping, uh, we have a record. 100 guys, 100 guys as of last night have declared for the upcoming 2018 NFL Draft. I think that's uh, a new record. 98 is the most I've seen back in 2014, I believe. We tweeted that out. Of course, you can catch us on Twitter, at NFL Draft Bible, for all our latest and greatest uh, coverage. we got Path to the Draft videos, player spotlight interviews, of course, uh, positional previews. So with that being said, we'll talk about the underclassmen later on in this show. Good decision, bad decision, since we spoke last week. And we're here each and every week, Thursday at noon, if you're looking for an NFL Draft podcast to lead you up to the upcoming draft in April this year in Dallas, Texas. Uh, this is the show. So if you're listening on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, um, NFLDraftBible.com, please share, please subscribe, and we appreciate you spreading the word. Now, um, also, if we have time at the end of the show, we are going to unveil each of our personal top prospects, our early January personal big board and we'll see how much we agree and disagree but with that being said <laughs> let's get it started baby all right nfl pa collegiate bowl <laughs> hey you want to be our switchboard producer reach out to us ric at nfl com. we need some good old sound effects over here <laughs> nfl pa collegiate bowl gentlemen let's start it off with you uh joe who are your top players that you'll be watching here out in Pasadena at the historic Rose Bowl this year, the seventh annual NFLPA moving to the Rose Bowl. What do you got for us, Joe? Well, I think I think they got some real good defense. Uh, I was surprised the first guy, Sean Chandler from Temple. I thought he should be at another event. This guy's a real player. He's a single digit from Temple, which means he's one of the toughest nine on the team. He's a four-year starter for a defense that's just been outstanding during the time he was there. 
So uh, he plays two uh, two years at corner, two years at safety. I think he's a free safety. I think he's an instant coffee kind of guy. He's going to step right in there day one and play for a team. I don't care where it is, but it'll be some sub package, and Sean Chan will be getting work. Uh, the other guys, uh, Perry Nickerson, uh, just a natural corner. He moves so well. He changes directions. He turns. He sprints. He just gets there. Um, I, I think he's such a smooth uh, mover, really great feet, and uh, just how he recovers, that's a that's just a, a corner I, I would want on my team. I think he's got uh, just real natural speed. But the, just He's going to develop into a starter is what I see. And then um, guys to keep an eye on, Jannard Avery, uh, Memphis, one of my favorite stats, and I don't I don't scout stats, but one that always sticks out to me is tackles for loss. I don't put a lot into him, but that just tells you the player's getting there. He's making the difference. And Avery had 22 tackles for loss this season. Only two players in the nation had more now. That's Bradley Chubb, who's a first-rounder, and Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois, who's basically the white Von Miller. We'll get into him in future seasons. But uh, Avery, that's a guy, I think, uh, to watch just as far as what he can do, how fast he can get in the backfield, and that's just he's just going to be a player. And then I, I couldn't close it out without my favorite guy, uh, Detrez Newsom, West Carolina. We were having some conference calls early in the season, and Detrez was a kid I was banging the table for, and I'm I'm just glad that not only is he at an all-star event, he's at a pretty doggone good one, um, just real size, speed phenom, and he's an experienced kick returner, I think, as far as small schoolers go. Uh, I was really uh, – that's that's a name I saw on the list, and Detrez Newsom from West Carolina, that, uh, that really makes my eyes perk up. Oh, uh, you know, we're a big fan of Daytrez Newsom. We're uh, driving that that train, and uh, you know, special announcement, I guess, right here. We have um, agreed to to follow Daytrez out in uh, Pasadena. We'll be behind the scenes with them all week long, and uh, we'll be providing that video coverage to you on the NFLDraftBible.com. So, uh, definitely one of the marquee players, and I agree. Perry Nickerson from Tulane, I guess because he's out there in Tulane, uh, not getting the national recognition from the media or the all-star circuit, folks. This should be a guy playing in the senior bowl. He's one of the best cornerbacks I've scouted so far this uh, draft season, and he has all the characteristics, like Joe said, of a starting cornerback at the next level. In fact, it wouldn't shock me if he goes in the mid-rounds and winds up outperforming, outproducing the players selected ahead of him. And uh, starting his rookie season, I love what Perry Nickerson brings to the table. Let's switch gears over to Justin Gamble, always dropping a hammer on him. Who are some of your marquee players to keep an eye on in the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl, Jay? Well, I keep hearing this wide receiver class is weak and it's not deep and it's one of the worst people have seen, but I just can't agree with that. I mean, look at the depth of the class and some of the guys that fell all the way to the NFL PA Bowl in the East-West Shrine. Some of these guys are, you know, they could any other year could be in the Senior Bowl. Just the depth is so crazy. Um, Stephen Mitchell at USC um, at the NFLPA Bowl. I saw him live this year. I watched him on tape a ton. Um, he's a thick kid. He's about five eleven. I don't know what he's officially going to come in at, but he's listed, I believe, at five eleven or five ten. Um, solid hands, solid route runner. He's played outside. He's played inside. Kind of in that uh, Victor Cruz role where he can do pretty much anything. He's got insane bursts, insane speed. You'll see him catch the ball sometimes, and he's at a dead stop. And, you know, next thing you know, he's three to, three to four to five feet in front of defenders down the field because the kid just takes off. Um, I really like that he's been exposed to a semi-pro-style offense. He's played so many different areas on the field. He understands route running. I think that's this is a guy that's going to be a lot better pro than college player because he just understands so many of the subtle nuances of the game. Um, so he's – I kind of thought he would be a senior bowl guy, but like I said, the depth pushed him down to the NFLPA game. Hopefully he can go there. He can be absolutely uncoverable, and maybe he'll shoot up some boards. Um, they also have the quarterback that I've been in love with for a while, and you guys know Austin Allen out of Arkansas. Uh, had a rough year. I was injured. Some people are saying he's undraftable now. But, you know, before the season, I believe Ben Albright reported – Mason Rudolph gets a lot of hype, but the scouts are really buzzing about Austin Allen. Um, 6'1", got a really good arm, can anticipate, can throw between the numbers, can throw outside the numbers. There's not much he can't do. 
um, smart, tough, just the intangibles. He's a leader. He's everything you look for in a quarterback. He's just not 6'2". Um, so I hope maybe he can go down to the NFLPA, show out, you know, sling some rockets around, look good. <laughs> maybe he can change the mind of some of the scouts and be draftable again because I just think there's too much skill here to go to waste. And then last, I want to mention just a, a local kid, Dalen Dawkins, the running back out of Colorado State, just a little speed mouse burner. Well, like, he's so small, but he runs 100 miles per hour in, into contact, always looking to break tackles, always looking to get upfield. Um, the, the burst he shows on tape is, is amazing. I wish he was a little more agile sometimes, but, uh, you know, the kid opens up his stride right away when he gets the ball. And he's looking to get upfield, and he's looking to punish people, even though usually he's the one getting punished because he's so many. But the way he runs is going to be – I think people are going to be really shocked to see him down there. Um, so, you know, shout-out to the local kid. Hopefully he goes down there and shows out. Well, you know, Justin, you mentioned a deep wide receiver class. I think it's a deep running back class. You know, you guys mentioned guys like Daytrez Newsom and Dallin Dawkins and, you know, even a quarterback group, I think, you know, say what you want about it up top, I think you're going to see at least a dozen quarterbacks drafted, which is a, a big number. So uh, very deep at the skill positions this year. And a couple players uh, that I think are going to, you know, cream always rises to the top. And uh, don't count this man out. Don't discount him for his size. An undersized linebacker from Villanova, Ed Shockley, who uh, another player will be going behind the scenes and we're chronicling his path to the draft. You can go to NFLDraftBible.com. We already have part one of the video up there already. Uh, but just a guy that always got his head on the swivel, uh, can drop back in coverage, can stuff the run. And uh, he's going to be flying around the field with his hair on fire for sure out in Pasadena. And then one other guy, you know, if you've been following my live stream coverage on, on uh, social media, then you already know about the East Coast Bully Club and Alex Officer from Pittsburgh, four-year starter. He's a big boy now. And, uh, you know, we all know you make your money in the trenches on those one-on-one -on -one drills throughout the week. And, uh, you know, I've had a chance to work with Alex uh, up close, seen him, seen him training in person. And uh, Alex Officer, one of these Pitt Panthers who are uh, flying under the radar, a lot of players declaring from that program and a lot of players getting invited to uh, some of the uh, higher-rated all-star games. But those are a couple other players, uh, standout performers, I should say, for the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. Uh, Justin, any other players worth watching here? Um, take a look at Jaleel Wadud. Uh, the safety slash kind of corner from UCLA, small guy, but feisty, fast, kind of all over the place on the field. You see him around the ball a lot. He's a good tackler. Um, he's one of those guys I'm not sure what his position is at the next level, but I know before the season a lot of scouts were talking about him. So, you know, definitely a guy to watch when he's down there. Yeah, and another guy that can lay the lumber for sure. I've seen him uh, deliver some uh, stone-crushing hits for sure. So, why do should be a dude on your radar. How about you, Joe? Anybody else here from the uh, NFLPA Collegiate? Yeah, just uh, Ebenezer Ogundeku, the Tennessee State pass rusher. I think uh, he was from LSU, got into a little bit. He's a knucklehead. He just uh, did some <laughs> dumb kid stuff, um, but uh, real spring out of his stance. I think he's going to be a stand-up linebacker. He's got – I don't know if he's going to get drafted because of these red flags, but he's a guy that strikes me as showing up to these practices, rocking some drills and dominating those one-on-ones. And it's like, well, Ogundeku, what, what is he? I think three-four stand-up pass rusher, and then Ade Aruna, the other two-lane prospect. I think just a really bad senior year, so he's got some things to kind of prove in an event like this. And then the bloodlines, baby, Austin Prohl, the son of Ricky. Uh, mm -hmm. cannot speak to this kid's toughness. He broke his collarbone after the Duke game and returned to play the last two contests of the season, and now he's in an all-star game. Tell me Austin Pro don't want it. Uh, that, that's that's a gamer there. there. So I, if I was, uh, I'd be tempted to interview him and uh, just uh, a little pat on the back, maybe not too hard, but good on you, kid. <laughs> yeah, of course. And his dad, Ricky Pro. New Jersey guy and uh, Carolina Panthers standout. So, um, 
Yeah, some good guys there. You mentioned Ebenezer uh, Okendunko. You know, sorry I'm on the road. I probably butchered that without my notes in front of me, but got a chance to dig into him. Like you said, Joe, explosive, quick first step. Uh, uh, draftable player on film, no doubt about it. Uh, Clemson, starting off at Clemson. Uh, highly recruited out of high school, obviously. An arrest there at Clemson uh, led to his dismissal. And then, uh, again, a second arrest after he transferred. So he will have a lot of uh, uh, questions to answer behind closed doors when he meets with NFL scouts. Now, a couple other guys I just want to highlight and put on your radar here. we got to give a shout-out to the NFL PA Bowl for the small school love that they showed. To guys like Louis Perez, Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, some call him the most interesting man in the NFL draft, and we have an in-depth scouting report on him up on the website if you want to know why. Uh, Joe, you mentioned some receivers, and Justin – how about Keith Kirkland from Temple? Here's a poor the possession uh, wide receiver type that is physical at the line of scrimmage. We mentioned it on earlier shows about him playing defensive end in the spring game and making some tackles. I just love his uh, physicality and tenacious mentality that he brings at the wide receiver position. And then Ben Huss going over to the Northeast Conference, a guy I had a chance to speak with at media day, undersized center, who's just a feisty mofo in the, in the middle there uh, kind of uh, reminds us of the center coming out of a temple a few years back, Kyle friend, and then Abdullah Anderson over to the Patriot league. We got to get all the love in. Uh, and I have a feeling this Bucknell defensive tackle, Abdullah Anderson, much like his teammate a year ago, the Condor, Julian Davenport, I think he's a guy that's going to rise up draft boards as we get closer to April. Now, you've been tuned into the NFL Draft Bible radio show with your hosts, Rick Saratella, Joe Everett, Justin Gamble. Of course, RIC and the place to be, Rick Saratella. Kind of like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft since 2002. It's what we do, baby. Check us out, NFLDraftBible.com. Time to keep it moving, time to keep it grooving, uh, East-West Shrine game. And, you know, NFLPA has made an interesting decision to go up against the Shrine game direct. They used to stagger them. They will both uh, be played. The game will be played on January 20th. Uh, so with that being said, one of the confusing things for me, gentlemen, was, you know, looking at the rosters, a lot of players listed twice on the NFLPA and the East-West Shrine game roster. So, I guess we really won't know or find out until we get there on arrival. But, uh, Justin, we'll start off with you. Marquee players in this year's East-West Shrine game. Where do I start, man? This is a loaded roster, finally. I mean, sometimes you look at this game, and, you know, there's a few standouts, but a lot of guys are just kind of fillers. Not this year. This is a tough year um, to try and keep an eye on just a few. Um off the top of my head, looking at my list right here, we got Jeff Bidette, the wide receiver out of Oklahoma. He's been compared to Mike Wallace. He's absolute burner. Um, really, and I think in our scouting report we put, not going to get caught from behind. That is for darn sure. The kid can fly. He didn't really get a chance to, you know, play a huge role down in Norman this year. But I think in the NFL, another guy that can be a better pro than college player. Um, Jester Way, the wide receiver from Pitt, he had a few flashes this year, last year, big, height, weight, speed guy, but again, never really put it together, never had the chance to be the premier guy in his offense, um, you know, down in Florida, kind of looking to see what he looks like in one-on-ones, what kind of body control he has, is he a competitor, is he a guy that's trying, you know, his best not to, you know, is he that guy that's willing to go fight each and every snap to dominate with that size and speed? or is he kind of content just to kind of, you know, settle into the middle of the pack? Um, and then last guy, Marcel Frazier, from the defensive end from Missouri, carrying on that defensive end, pass rusher, defensive line tradition that they have down there. Um, on tape, he was kind of a confusing guy in some of the roles they put him in, but overall, this is a flexible guy with an amazing first step. Um, he learned to use his hands better and better over the years. I think another guy like I. It's, it's, it's weird in this class, another guy that can be a better pro than college player. I think if you're looking for a second to third round pass rusher who can come in and make an immediate impact, this is one of the guys teams should be looking at. Um, he's, he's got solid size. I think he could probably play defensive end in a 4-3. So 
you know, if he can go down and be absolutely unblockable and show some of that quickness and that bend, um, this might be a guy that shoots up the boards. And he might even get the call up to the senior bowl as well. So uh, definitely Absolutely. some notable players to keep an eye on there at the East West Shrine game uh, over to Joe Everett for the top performers or standouts that we are anticipating down in Tampa, Florida. Contavia street, North Carolina state. I think he's got to be one of the best players there. Uh, length, strength, he plays base end is what he profiles as. Uh, doesn't really have an arsenal of moves, but on athleticism, talent, and alone, he's getting drafted pretty high is what I know. Uh, if, you, if you told me he's tearing it up and practices down in St. Pete this week, uh, I don't think anybody would be shocked. So uh, that's one that sticks out. And then sticking on the line, Deidre Sanat, who uh, I think Justin brought up in the other show, not only tore it up a senior year, he not only ripped up the bowl game, uh, I think he's going to parlay all that into a big performance uh, this week at the Shrine. He's in his backyard. This is a terrific event for a kid like that. And then um, Godwin Iguibuque, I think that's one of the guys you're talking about, Rick. That's like he was on NFLPA, and then and then he wasn't. So I'm expecting he'll be uh, at the Shrine. Actually, I thought he had a chance to be at Senior Bowl. He's a big hitter. He can run. Uh, I think he's a natural leader. Guys really kind of respond to Godwin, and that's uh, to me that's worth just as much as the playing ability because uh, you can tell it noticeably on that Northwestern defense. That he, he's the leader. And then I'd say my favorite player, I'm smiling ear to ear to see Devontae Harris, Illinois State at the Shrine game because when we started this season, uh, we got on some small schoolers, and I've said it. I've, that, this is the best small schooler I've looked at. I have, now, I have not looked at a lot, but I, I really thought Harris would end up at the Senior Bowl as well. I think he's that good. I think he's got a chance to get a late invite or injury replacement if all goes down, uh, well down here in Florida. I'll tell you, Harris is turning into one of my favorite entire draft class. I love the way he plays. Just he has to have it mode kind of guy. And, yeah, I just can't wait to see – uh, that's one of the players I just wish I was going down to Florida. Thankfully, you've got uh, Shanna Felt down there doing the deed. But, um, man, Harris, that, that's one I think uh, before this week, a lot of people might not know who he is after. Uh, everybody's going to be saying that name. You know, I'm just shocked that he's not in the senior bowl. I'm, I'm the one player just really shocked, as you mentioned, Joe. Again, uh, one of the top corners in this year's class, uh, and also, I mean, he's pretty much rewritten every <laughs> defensive back. Uh, you know, he re- rewrote the record books there at North Dakota State in terms of uh, playing defensive back. And, you know, it's interesting because the Senior Bowl seemed to get out in front with a lot of the small school prospects this year, uh, a ton of small school FCS invites more so, I think, than any year before. And the guys like Devontae Harris um, – Chase Edmonds, I think, is another guy from Fordham, maybe because the Rams had a down season, uh, maybe because he did not, you know, have this, you know, Walter Payton type of year. But uh, Chase Edmonds is the real deal, as is Jake Wineke from South Dakota State. I mean, another guy that would have been uh, a great platform to see, you know, what one of the top FCS receivers could do in that in that senior bowl platform. So I was surprised Wineke didn't get the invite either. Um, some FBS players that I think are going to really stand out, Puna Ford from Texas. I mean, if this guy was maybe two or three inches taller, uh, you're talking about a potential, potential first round top 100 kind of talent. And uh, I think he's really, really going to, you know, just be a problem for, for the offensive linemen to handle, especially in those one-on-ones. And then one last guy, I mean, uh, Chase Edmonds, we talked about running backs, Ralph Webb. I think these are two guys to highlight. Um, and two guys that, quite frankly, when you talk about the depth in this year's draft class, uh, while they are very talented running backs, I think it becomes, you know, there's a good chance these guys can go anywhere from day three to being undrafted and I got news for you uh, these are going to be two mid to late round or possible undrafted free agent bargains uh, in Chase Edmonds and Ralph Webb so uh, with that being said let's stick with you Joe 
and uh, see if you have any other players here that uh, you want to watch and keep an eye on here in the East-West Shrine game. Oh, yeah, some storylines. I think Jordan Thomas from Mississippi State. This is such a big kid. They've got him listed as a wide receiver. I, I don't know what he – you know what I call him as Kool-Aid. He is that big. He just busts through a brick wall, and he's ready to party. I, 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 just, I guess he's wide receiver because he's not blocking anybody, and I don't think he'll do that for the first two years at the next level. But to hell with that. Just line him up in the flex and throw the ball. He's such a mismatch. I think this giant is going to show up down in St. Pete and just turn some heads. People are going to be talking about his name. And then speaking of giants, the, the continent, Cody O'Connell, Mike Leach, probably the most quotable coaches in the game, calls him the continent. And he is just that mammoth. Uh, he does not move well. He needs a little bit more urgency out of his stance and just not finish in place. But I'm, he's a work in progress and just one to watch. You just don't – it's like that planetary theory. They just don't have many humans like this on the globe, and he's to behold, that's for sure. And then lastly, I think it'd be easy to say – but Riley Ferguson comes away from this event as the best quarterback, and it's not even close. Uh, he's, I think, head and shoulders from the rest of the prospects. This should be a great week for him because it's DBs versus wide receiver drills, skeletons. He's throwing against air. He's throwing seven-on-sevens. I think a guy like Ferguson should be selling tickets to the gun show out there uh, uh, down on the beach. Yeah, maybe the best quarterback in the East-West Ryan event since Jimmy Garoppolo and we know Garoppolo got the call to the Senior Bowl when I think it was A.J. McCarron backed out, so you never know. Um, was it A.J. McCarron or uh, somebody else? I think yeah. it was A.J. McCarron. Yeah. So, exactly huh, what right. a mistake that was. <laughs> hey, now, what you say? Hey, Cody O'Connell, I want to say I'm pretty sure that he went to the same high school as Connor Williams and actually started over him, so... Uh, I'm pretty sure I came across that in my research on him. So just an interesting side note. Uh, you know, I've got a Jordan to watch too, and his name is Jordan Chun. We've talked about the big bulldozing running back from Troy who just kind of uh, gobbled up that LSU defense and then got injured. Um, you know, I think this is a great, great platform for him to kind of restore some of that draft stock that was lost uh, post-injury during the regular season. I have a couple other guys to keep an eye on, but I don't want to steal any of uh, Justin Gamble's thunder, so go ahead and drop the hammer on him, Jay. Hey, man, you can do whatever you need to do. Um, you know, I only got a few more, just some, some guys that I thought would break out this year that kind of didn't, I guess. Chris Worley, the linebacker from Ohio State. Uh, I kind of thought coming into this year he'd make more noise and you know, solidify himself as one of the top guys. But and I still think he's got the skill set to be a starter in the NFL. Um, so, you know, one of the guys that immediately stood out to me last year because he was so good in coverage. He was so reliable in coverage. It always got to his landmarks. He was breaking up plays, chasing down slot receivers. Um, and then this year it looked like, you know, they moved him around a few spots a few times over the last two years, but he – got more comfortable against the run. He got better sifting through the trash, making plays in the backfield. I still think he's improving. I still think there's a lot to work with there. Um, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got everything you look for. He's just one of those guys that kind of didn't really put it together um, fully. He didn't really give scouts the, the best sample size, but the best consistency on tape. So there, I, I just think there's a, a few question marks with him. But overall, I mean, that's a guy that, I, I you know, the Ohio State pedigree, he's going to come in. And we always look at these Ohio State kids and kind of break down their games. Then they get to the NFL, and it's like, nah, we were ready. We were ready the whole time, and here we are. You know, Raekwon McMillan stepped in right away, looked great. Um, unfortunately, went down with that ACL. But, you know, Ohio State kids, I really don't worry about anymore. And then Jamar Summers from UConn, we were talking about him like two years ago being one of the top corners, and then, you know, things happen, and all of a sudden he just started looking terrible. But he's moved to safety. The speed, this kid has insane track speed. Um, he can tackle when he wants to. I still think there's a spot in the NFL for him to be a high-level player. I think he could be one of the hybrid corner safety types. He might be able to play some slot, play some, you know, dime, whatever. I, there, There's too much talent to not make a role for him, in you know, in a creative defense. So 
you know, looking down in Florida, I'm looking for him to kind of show off that speed, that athleticism, kind of mismatch some guys and show that he's a better athlete than uh, what he put on tape. Yeah, and, you know, I know uh, UConn is, is trying to uh, create that lineage there, and, and Obi Melofanwu last year calling the Huskies DBU. But, you know, you got Byron Jones, Obi Melofanwu, and now Jamar Summers uh, looking to follow in those footsteps now. A couple other guys I want to highlight. I was hoping these guys would trim down my list by process of elimination because, you know what, a lot of people have uh, privately, anyway, have have, uh, complained about the talent pool or the talent roster in this year's East-West Ron game, but the more we continue to talk it out and break it down here on the air, uh, the more I'm starting to like this roster. And how about a guy like Dejon Allen from Hawaii? Uh, This guy is just, you know, rock-solid granite there, playing left tackle at Hawaii. I think he started four years. He's going to kick inside at the next level, and he's going to do a damn good job now. Uh, I had a chance to see him against UMass that first game. I've seen him several times, and, you know, I I know he gave up one sack his junior season. i got to be honest, I've watched him several times his senior year and haven't seen anybody get around this guy. So, Dejon Allen is a guy I think is just going to be winning all week down in Florida. Uh, Joe Osman from Central Michigan. I'm keeping an eye on him because I want to see a more diverse pass rush repertoire. I mean, I just, I don't know, maybe I caught the wrong games. Just, it seems when I, I watched them, just always trying to do the bull rush and overpower guys. And it's just not going to get the job done at the NFL level. Now, uh, we'll, see, we'll see. We'll see what his pass rush repertoire, if he adds a little diversity and showcases uh, some other skills. I think it's going to be highly important for him because I'm not sure if he's the kind of guy that can transition to outside linebacker at the next level. And uh, Javon Roland Jones from Arkansas State, another one of these undersized defensive ends, small school, high productive uh, pass rushers, that's going to get a chance to prove his worth down in St. Petersburg. And uh, Marcus Martin, I would guess, from uh, Slippery Rock, also falls into that category, just a guy – Ultra production, how's he going to stack up against the FBS and top talent from across the country? And one last guy, because i got to represent the East Coast Bully Club. He's been training with us at Parabog Performance and Rehab. Uh, Jamar McGloster from Syracuse, just a big, big boy. Uh, he's a legit six foot eight, and he's lean, and he's mean, and we're looking for him to uh, be a bully there down in Tampa. So uh, we've just went very in-depth into the NFLPA and East-West Shrine rosters. I'm going to be sending out an email blast this week, going even more in-depth with some of these players and providing links to scouting reports and videos and all that good stuff. So if you want to get on board with our email list, uh, drop me a line, RIC at NFLDraftBible.com. I'll make sure it's delivered to you in the inbox for free, baby. That's what we do over at the NFLDraftBible.com, bringing you the names you need to know first since 2002. And uh, it's that time of show where we are now going to talk about underclassmen. Good decision, bad decision. You know, historically, uh, it's been pretty consistent, 30% of guys on average, give or take, couple percentage points but about 30 percent of the underclassmen do not get drafted each and every year and uh, with 100 guys already declared and four days still left remaining to uh, have more underclassmen file in there's been a boatload of underclassmen who have since declared since the last time we've spoken and so we'll uh, lead it off with Justin Gamble for his underclassmen let's keep it with good decisions or we'll, just, we'll throw them together. Good decisions and bad decisions. You can lump them all together, Justin. Right on, right on. Um, for good, Calvin Ridley, top receiver in the draft. Uh, we've known for a few years that this kid was, you know, one of the top receivers in any class. Um, and I think coming out is a great choice for him because what else can he do down in Tuscaloosa? He's put it all on tape. He's dominated. He's put up with Jalen Hurts' you know, ineptitude at quarterback. He's done it all. Um, it, it, there's nothing that scouts could say, well, we didn't get to see this on tape. He's done it. So he, he solidified himself as a top prospect. I think, you know, coming out is the easy choice. There's, he's already 23. 
He's going to be 24 as a rookie. There's no need to stay another year and, you know, just add add wear to your tires, add, you know, take off the tread. It doesn't make sense. So for him to come out, I, I absolutely love that. Um, one of the shockers, I guess, but I still appreciate it, and I still think it's a smart choice, is Tremaine Edmonds. Um, super young kid. He's going to be the youngest kid in the draft. Um, but the linebacker from Virginia Tech, 6'5", 240, 250 or something. I, I don't know if he's going to weigh in and actually come in that tall and that big, but, you know, he looks big on tape. Um, and, you know, Dane Brugler was talking yesterday that his motor is stuck in turbo, and it is. It, his motor is always running. He, for being so tall and so big, he does break down in the open field. He tackles well. He's got a loose body, a loose athleticism. Um, and, and in coverage, he improved, or he's improving over the course of the year. Uh, I think this is a first-round player, and I think just being such a big athlete but also being so fluid and so functional, he's kind of just a, a specimen because there's a lot he can do in, in different, or different defenses. Um, his take-on skills are getting better. He can shed and take on the blocks at will. Um, I really like what he did because he came off a hot year and, you know, he's, he's cashing in, taking that shot. So for me, one of the smarter decisions for such a young guy, I think everyone wanted him to stay cause he's so young, but when you put such a great year on tape at such a tough position, why not cash in? So I'm happy for him. Um, one of the bad ones, one of the kind of baffling ones is Auden Tate, um, from Florida state. Yeah. He's a height, weight, speed specimen. He's, he put some highlight reel catches on tape, but, he didn't really do it consistently. And once Francois went down, you know, the consistency of the offense went down and, you know, everything just kind of fell apart, so to speak. I think his skill set is first round, but what he's put on tape and what he's really been able to do with his route running ability is, you know, third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, Francois coming back next year could have given him the chance to solidify himself as one of the top picks in the draft. I mean, we saw Calvin Benjamin go in the first round. This kid is light years more talented than Calvin Benjamin, but he's not going to get drafted, you know, maybe even day two because he didn't get a chance to really show anything on tape. He didn't get a chance to be consistent and, you know, put the full package out there for scouts to see. So for him to declare and, you know, have such a low market share, so to speak, or whatever, you know, they call it, it is baffling for me, and I didn't really agree with his decision. I wish he would have gone back and kind of solidified himself as something consistent. You know, it's an interesting take, Justin. And, I, Joe, I'll get your opinion on this as well. I mean, you know, when you take a look at a guy like Cortland Sutton, who's getting so much first-round consideration and hype, I mean, let me play devil's advocate with you, you know, Auden Tate sees a guy like Cortland Sutton declare. I mean, who are you valuing valuing more on your big board? Well, I'm valuing Tate more because I don't have to spend the high pick on him. Uh, And and I I just think he could be a better player down the line. But I will agree with Justin that uh, it's a lot of inconsistencies with Tate. And I think teams are going to know they're getting a real raw player and as far as the comparison between him and Benjamin, athletically, uh, upside, yes, it's it's all tape. But I think at least Kev, Kelvin Benjamin knew his blocking schemes. He knew his routes. He knew that Fisher playbook. And that Tate, early in his career, spent his some time in the doghouse uh, of Fisher because he was just, you know, not on assignment, not on point. Even uh, Francois, they're best friends. You know, he's trying to force feed the ball at Tate in some instances. And Jimbo's like, I can't have it. Bring me Nooney Murray. Bring me somebody else because it's uh, it's not happening with Tate right now. And yeah, it's I I think the world of the kid is a prospect, and I think upside through the roof. But yeah, year one might be a little rough for this guy, and I would question coming out because as I mentioned, he's got a great relationship with Francois. You know Willie Taggart's coming in like. This is going to be a good situation, so, oh, well. I mean, to each his own, it's, uh, he's going to be making money on Sundays no matter what happens, but uh, I would agree maybe it may have been a little more wise to stay in and uh, get a little more experience, come out as a, a, a better, more ready pro. All right, some hot takes here uh, with Joe Everett, Justin Gamble, Rick Saratella. Bringing you the names you need to know here at the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. Uh, all right, Joe, what do you got? Good decisions, bad decisions on the underclassmen? 
A couple of great decisions. Mike Hughes, the corner from Central Florida. Talk about going out on a high note. Uh, his players just turned himself into a first-rounder. He's got he's going to have great, outstanding time speed. Like He'll show up with some smoke tracers on his 40-yard dash. He's got the on-field instincts. He's an excellent kick returner, uh, just nose for the ball. He should be highly coveted by every team, considering he was a big part of an undefeated defense that plays a physical brand of ball. It strikes me as a guy, talk about instant coffee, he will show up day one and play. I, I have a tough time believing teams wouldn't find a role for him just as a dime, and definitely you know he's going to return kicks. So, I, I, yeah, perfect time to come out. Hottest you'll ever be, frost leaving. Pack up your bags, pick up them steaks, move that tent on down the road. And uh, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, this one of my favorite Notre Damers here. Yes, Quentin Nelson's pretty, pretty, pretty studly there, but uh, Equinemius, and I think the same could be said of Josh Adams as well. The the quarterback situation at Notre Dame's horrible. Uh, you're leaving one of the best tandems alignment too. I, with with Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, you you got to think there's going to be a drop off. I mean, Houston's going to put together a great unit in South too, a really doggone good. So I think both Josh Adams and EQ Brown here leaving that just makes sense. Uh, I, I don't see a good team <laughs> for the Irish next year, and especially with EQ, um, it's not the world's greatest wide receiver class. I think he could be one of the top receivers off this board just because of his profile. I mean, he's so long. Uh, I kind of compare him to a little bit of an A.J. Green with that lankiness and just a great route tree so far early in his career. And he beats people deep. I mean, he, he can beat people short. He's dangerous after the catch. This is a day one guy to me when I watch him, uh, especially last year's tape when he actually had a quarterback to throw him the ball. So uh, maybe he could roll the dice next season. But I think at this point, you, you kind of know where you stand in this group of wideouts, this uh, good decision for EQ, and then some dumb decision. Khalil McKenzie at Tennessee, I don't, I just don't get it. I mean, you just got rid of the idiots in Tennessee. Bush Jones is gone. Bob Schutz and his defense, they're going to Mississippi State. You're getting Jeremy Pruitt from Alabama, who develops nothing but five techs and three techs. I mean, why not stick around and see what could happen? I guess he doesn't care because his dad's rich. He's already in the NFL, and the Raiders will probably draft him in the seventh round. But Khalil McKenzie, I'd have stayed in school and see what Pruitt's got going on. And then we talked about him last week, Camp Petway. Uh, I don't understand it all. I mean, I thought he should have came out last year, parlayed his redshirt sophomore season, that big buzz. Uh, but not only did on Johnson steal his thunder, he ends this season. This is now two years He's ended on the shelf. Uh, I don't know who's going to draft him. He doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to test well. He weighs, what, 250, two plus? I, yeah, that's just a bad idea. And then Jordan Lastly, I'm not sure leaving Westwood. The U, UCLA receiver Lastly, why do you leave Westwood right before Chip Kelly gets there? Uh, that just, uh, I know he's got off-field problems, and he's probably just tired of school. But I'd have to think sticking around, being the leading receiver for Chip Kelly's new offense and solidifying the fact that you can keep your nose clean and you're dedicated to football would speak volumes to evaluators. But I guess, yeah, I don't know that one. Then um, I wouldn't be a show if I didn't get an Indiana kid in. Uh, Jesse Bates, that's a big surprise. The safety from Wake Forest. Uh, he's a Fort Wayne kid, Bishop Snyder, one of the best high schools uh, in this state. And he's led them in tackles. But, yeah, I guess he's seeing maybe a, a weaker class after the top guys. But I don't know why he's coming out. It's got to be a fellow that's just really tired of school and maybe missed Mike Elko last year. I don't know what the situation is. But regardless of him coming out, I don't care where he's drafted. Jesse Bates is going to be a player. Uh, he showed up at Wake and just led the team in tackling as uh, a red shirt freshman. So, yeah, look out for Bates, um, maybe day three pick, but he's going to be a good one. Yeah, you were uh, out in front on Jesse Bates, Joe, a guy that's been on your radar now for a couple seasons. And, you know, Jordan Lasley, I mean, I think, you know, there's a guy that had a strong finish to the end of the year, just kind of strike while the iron's hot, I suppose, Uh couple other players here that I have listed. I mean, I think we've spoken about Ronald Jones in the past. I just don't think the Trojans running back is getting enough um, enough credit for what he brings to the table. I mean, I just love everything about his game. He's a polished runner. 
And, you know, I saw that this week he signed with Lee Steinberg. So, you know, I'm sure starting today, <laughs> his draft stock will only increase because uh, that's what Lee does. Um, Colton Miller from UCLA, you know, I, I honestly have not had a chance to study him uh, in depth, but I'm hearing a lot of great things. And I'm now intrigued because I think the offensive line class is, is questionable once again. I think the uh, offensive tackles especially are, you know, not quite as polished uh, as offensive tackle prospects coming out maybe, say, a decade ago. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and that's another show for another time. But uh, Colton Miller, I mean, don't be surprised if this is a guy that finds himself in the first-round consideration when it's all said and done. And, you know, I guess the one questionable uh, guy I wanted to point out Ryan Izzo from Florida State, you know, he's shown some flashes here and there. I've spoken about it in the past, you know, when I had a chance to see him in person against Boston College. Ty Schwab just completely shut him down and made him his little biatch. So, you know, I just didn't see – I didn't see an NFL tight end there. Uh, and if I did, you know, it's probably not a guy that I'm going to really consider if I'm an NFL GM until I get to day three – of the draft. So uh, there's your underclassman, good decision, bad decision. When we join you next week, uh, the underclassman deadline will have passed January 15th. We'll also have a better grip on the NFL scouting combine invites that we'll discuss next week and talk about uh, some of the surprises there. We'll talk about combine snubs. But we have a few minutes left in the show to talk about our personal big boards because I think, you know, people want to know with all these underclassmen declaring, you know, and a very interesting top of the NFL draft, a very QB needy top six, I believe. A lot of uh, moving and shaking could happen in terms of the draft order. But just in terms of a pure talent evaluation standpoint, I'd love to um, – pick the brains of the NFL draft Bible scouting department and compare and contrast. And, you know, we'll just run off our top five players as it stands right here on January 11th. Of course, uh, things will change over the next four months or so, but uh, let's start it off with you, Joe, personal top five, big board. Who do you got for us? Well, you already know super Sam. Is number one for me. I hadn't changed since the beginning of the year. I think he's got the highest upside. Maybe he's not there right now. Maybe there's some turn issues that turnover issues have cropped up, but that old line lost a bunch of guys, a lot of injuries to start the season, and I think he really put a lot on his back and forced some throws, but he flashes that live arm. He's got the mobility, the escapability. I've seen him break tackles. He shouldn't be breaking. Just a tough kid. And another one, I, I probably broken record, but call it the NFL Draft Bible drinking game. Players respond to him. They gravitate up. He strikes me as that leader that uh, his receivers are going to just run that clip step faster for him. And uh, number two, I'll just go Saquon. Uh, he looked like one of the best college football players heading into this year. He went out as what looks like to me to be that, just as advertised. Damn near won the Heisman, and uh, were it not for that Penn State team kind of running out of gas, things may have gone different. But great receiver, creative runner, and just can't wait to see what he does at the Combine. Just based on his footage, uh, just look at the Notre Dame game from last year. I mean, that's a 42-inch vertical if I've seen it. I don't got to get the measuring stick out. So, yeah, I, I think he's top five. And then Rosen, uh, not too much to say UCLA. Like, people worried about the headaches. Just leave it on field. That's the prototype. And, really, he's a lot further along than Darnold at this point as far as footwork, the marriage between that release, his throwing motion in his body. Like, he's – I think technically a little bit more advanced. So right now it, it, a team would be foolish not to consider him in the top five. And then my other two guys, they haven't come out yet, but I expect them to. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, Clemson, I think that's the best best rusher in this class, just for my money. If he does come out, not to put any pressure, but, yeah, uh, watch one game. Ohio State, the playoffs last season, it's one of the most dominant performances I've seen from college. He just could not be touched. And uh, then the other one is Ronnie Harrison, who we talked about last week. I mean, that's 
if I got to pick a safety from this class, that's my guy, and I, I wouldn't be afraid to take him high. I think he's a difference maker. He shows up day one and starts for any team that drafts him, and he makes the difference. He will improve a secondary instantly. So that so those will be my five, and it's hard there, I think, four and five, just because we don't know who's coming out just yet. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that I've got ranked, what, six, seven, eight, that – are more than deserving to be in the top five. But, yeah, I'd have it Darnold, Barkley, Rosen, and then Cleland Farrell and Ronnie Harrison. Okay, very interesting list. Uh, the one follow-up I have for you, Joe, fill in the blank. Saquon Barkley, the best running back prospect to come out since? I compare him to LaDainian Tomlinson, but I don't I don't know. Todd Gurley was awful good. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put it there, LaDainian Tomlinson. Oh, a nice one. I like that. I, You know, I was thinking you might go Ezekiel Elliott. You could go Leonard Fournette. Todd Gurley's a good one. I was going to say the best running back prospect to come out since Reggie Bush. And, you know, before you guys jump down my throat out there and say, well, he wasn't that good of a pro – let me tell you something. Reggie Bush's film coming out was as good as any running since I've been doing this for 17 years. Reggie Bush has had as any good as film of any running back prospect to ever declare. Now, what happened at the next level? I mean, you know, there's a whole different reasons why. So uh, you could debate that however you like it. So, um, all right, interesting list, Joe. I dig it. I think. You know, I think another guy we're higher on than than other people is Ronnie Harrison. Another guy, you know, I I, I view him as a top ten pick, and I don't I'm not sure that you know others even have him in the first round. But I'm not really so sure. I don't have my finger on the pulse when it comes to other draft services out there on the uh, internet. So, Justin, you know, I know you're going to shake things up a little bit and uh, have some interesting selections for your personal big board. How does your top five shape up as of today i think this is about to show how not solidified this class is at the top because me and joe only share one player on our top five um for me rosen is my top spot franchise quarterback i mean you don't find guys like this that come out often um he's a master pre-snap and not only that but he can deliver post-snap i mean he can read the rotations of the defense he can deliver the accurate ball he can drive the ball downfield um he kind of he can play games with defenses if he knows what they're doing. If, if you do not just if you don't fool him pre-snap, he's going to carve you up. And if you don't get a pass rush on him, he's going to carve you up. Um, so Rosen, for me, you know, if he answers all the questions of his personality and his leadership, and if he loves the game, all that stuff, um, this is a guy that's going to come in and dominate as a pro. If you can give him an O line, he is going to dominate as a pro. Um, and here's here's where things get weird for me. Uh, my second spot is going to be Rashawn Evans. I don't know when a linebacker has come out that can do all the things Evans has done and can do. Um, he, against the run, absolutely dominant. He can play the run and chase game. He can play the take on blocks and destroy people game. Um, there's not any part of the run game that he cannot dominate in. And we talk about Rokon Smith and all that speed, but Evans is just as fast, and he might be faster. I, I don't know. But then you add that he can pass rush. He can cover downfield. He can carry the seams. He's, he was covering slot receivers in the national championship. There's just nothing he, can't not, he cannot do. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. He can transform a defense, in my opinion. And then another Bama guy, Minka Fitzpatrick, another guy that can play, you know, he can put on so many different hats, and he can do it at the highest level. Someone brought it to my attention yesterday that Earl Thomas, when he was at Texas, played a pretty similar role to Minka at Alabama. And when you look at his instincts and his speed and the way that he can read the quarterback and track you know, route trees and route combinations, he might be able to be a guy that can be Earl Thomas-esque in the NFL. He can play that true center field role, and you can, almost def- you can build a scheme around um, what you're able to do on the back end. So he, I think if he could be that guy and he can transform a defense like that, he belongs in the top three. So that's where he sits for me. Um, and this is where things got really weird for me because the four and five spots could be, you know, eight different players. But Taven Bryan from Florida, um, I think he's being really undervalued because 
he can play defensive end in a 3-4. He can play, you know, three-tech in a 4-3 defense. The ability, the, the length that he has, the the speed of field, the power, the functional strength, the bend, everything about his game just screams, you know, impact difference maker at the next level. I think he's going to come in and absolutely destroy, you know, offensive lines. He's going to be that guy that maybe he's not Aaron Donald, but he's going to make that kind of impact just because he, the consistency that he shows as a pass rusher and the ability to shoot gaps and get upfield is absolutely insane. And, you know, when a quarterback is dealing with A-gap pressure all game, which is what he can provide, uh, it messes up game plans. And I think he's that guy that you can use to absolutely destroy game plans. He demands a double team, and if you don't give it to him, he's going to tear you up. Um, So, Taven Bryan, I know he's not talked about in the top ten a whole lot, but for me, he's the top five guy right now. And then my fifth spot, it's not sexy, it's not flashy, but Quentin Nelson from Notre Dame. I mean, this is a Pro Bowl guard we're talking about. Uh, he can play in a zone scheme. He can play in a power scheme. He can do pretty much anything. He's an extremely functional athlete. Um, he's a finisher. He's going to transform an O-line because he brings that attitude and that leadership where guys want to be like him. And guys want to finish blocks, and people are going to get mean playing next to him because he's so angry each and every snap. You just can't not want to replicate that. Um, and I think he's a really safe pick because there's not really a hole in his game. He, he's just that guy that's going to step in and be, you know, a, a starter for 10-plus years, and he's not going to give up an inch. I mean, it, like I said, it's not sexy, and there's other guys I could have put here, but Nelson just seems too darn safe for me to not put in my top five. Yeah, you know, I guess after listening to the both of you, I guess my top five looks more like Justin's. And, you know, Rashawn Evans is a guy that I could see maybe uh, working his way into my top five. But the way I have it right now, you know, say what you want about that Cleveland team. I find it hard to believe that Josh Rosen will not be the first pick in this year's draft. Uh, Franchise quarterback, as Justin mentioned, and whether it's Cleveland or they choose to trade down, I just think this guy's too good not to be the top pick. And shout-out to the Browns. We talked about them adding Alonzo Highsmith last week. This week they added Elliot Wolf. Uh, you know, before you know it, John Dorsey is going to have a staff in place where players will want to go and play. So uh, Josh Rosen, number one for me. Uh, number two, I got to go Minka Fitzpatrick. Again, as Justin mentioned, uh, this guy lined up in six, six, and and uh, you know, figure out where you want to play him, plug him in, and let's go. Uh, you know, maybe Cleveland trades down and, and selects this guy, and, and all of a sudden, um, you have the kid from Michigan uh, from last year, along with Fitzpatrick, Roman, the defense, and 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 uh, doing all kinds of crazy things. But you saw the impact that Jalen Ramsey made this year with the Jaguars. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is right up there with that in terms of being a difference maker. And then, you know, I don't often advocate running backs in the first round, and rarely do I suggest taking one uh, with a top five pick. But this kid, Saquon Barkley, you know, if the Giants at number two wanted to pull the trigger, I'd be okay with that. And not too many years that I would be on board with this, but – you know, there's not much he can't do, folks. And, you know, he's going to just really immediately boost an offense. And I think, you know, the Giants with Gettleman, sounds like Matty P, Matt Patricia is going to be the new head coach there. This is a team looking to reload, not rebuild. And I think a guy like Saquon Barkley could fit the peg. Uh, you know, and then, you know, I, I, I put uh, Zeus, Orlando Brown Jr. in here just by the simple fact that I believe he's the top offensive tackle prospect in this year's draft class, and there's something to be said for that because so many teams need help at that offensive tackle position. So maybe, you know, he's getting the bump up here just in terms of position of need. I think I think he's just going to go in the top five. And, uh, you know, I cheated here for number five. You know, I did a tied for fifth because <laughs> you could, you know, you could Come like, uh, yeah, I, I tied for fifth. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Quentin Nelson, I think, 
as you said again, Justin, I'm in agreement with you, the safest player maybe in this year's draft. A lot to be said for that. And, you know, uh, Chubb, the kid from NC State, I mean, I, I compare yep. him favorably to Derek Barnett of a year ago. So I, I think Nick uh, Chubb is uh, a guy that you have to – Bradley Chubb, I'm sorry, is a guy that you have to put in there in consideration. So, uh, you know, before we wrap things up, I mean, Justin, you and I – we're a lot alike, I guess. Any any thoughts there on the three of us on how we compare and contrast? No, I mean, I think, you know, even with Joe's guys, we might not have them on there, but you can see that this class has a decent amount of similar players. I mean, Cleveland Farrell, you can't really argue with that overall skill set, the size and the speed and just kind of the overall monster that he is. It's it's going to come down, the, the evaluations are going to come down to the nuances, just the, the small little details that each of us notice about certain guys um, are what's going to separate our evaluations and, like, where we put some of these dudes because there's a lot of similar players. There's a lot of players that, you know, you could interchange, but it's just going to come down to the small things about how we value, um, like, little, little traits and how we see subtle things. I mean, for me, the only reason Cleveland Farrell is not top five or even top ten is just small things like his pad level. Um, I'm not sure how functional he is yet as a pass rusher. Sometimes you look, you watch him and he's completely lost. But then there's other plays and games like Joe said, Ohio State, where he is absolutely manhandling people and it, it, he looks unstoppable. But you know, for me, Chubb is just more consistent. He's more polished. He's more consistent. He's better with his hands. He looks a little more athletic, but realistically, Farrell could do a lot of things in the NFL that, you know, vault him above Chubb. There's not a lot of different things about their game, but, you know, it's just, like I said, it's all small, subtle things that, you know, good evaluators look at, and we have to we have to kind of dig deep to see. So I'm not mad that we're all so different because uh, it kind of makes it interesting, and it kind of shows that, you know, we can work on the same staff but see things differently. Yeah, you know, and I think, too, a lot of it from an NFL point of view is, you know, where you are in the rebuilding process. A guy like Chubb, I think, is maybe a little bit more polished, ready to make a more immediate impact where Farrell has the bigger upside. So if you're, you know, willing to be patient, say like the Cleveland Browns who aren't going to compete next year, then, you know, it's – it all depends on the short-term, long-term outlook. And, Joe, your final thoughts. i got to give you credit, though, my man. You're, you're holding firm with the Sam Darnold hype train, and I don't think he made either of our top fives, but, you know, you, you held your ground with Deshaun Watson last year, and, uh, you know, until that injury looked like uh, you were right there and now holding out once again on the Sam Darnold hype mobile. Joe, your thoughts? Did we lose Joe? My bad. Oh, maybe we did. No, no, I was almost dead with my boots on with uh, Sam Darnold. <laughs> Somebody was trying to bury me. But, uh, no, I, I actually, what's funny is I'm looking at six, seven, and eight on my list when I'm trying to kick people out of the top five. Six is Chubb. Seven is Brown. Eight is Nelson. So it's like I'm so close to getting the guys that you had in that uh, I, I would be more than happy to have in a top five. I think overall thoughts is, you know, this isn't a bad draft class for anyone that says, oh, there's just no talent here. Like, you know, I don't need be fooling yourself. I love this class. And uh, just final thought, I guess, on Darnold and the Browns maybe. Um it's going to be a quarterback, and I would just remind listeners that Hugh Jackson and this current Brown staff still has an affinity for USC players. And not only that, Hugh Jackson had such a man crush on Carson Palmer that he got the Raiders to trade, what, two first-rounders uh, for him, two Cincy? I mean, they really like those Trojans. They drafted Cody Kessler, what, Hayes Pollard, Telfair, uh, I just think, you know, this the, you can't rule Darnold out just because of the, the that program's uh, just luck with the Browns. So I think that's what makes him a consideration there for me. And also, like I said, you know, there's nothing wrong with Rosen. 
that that guy is just a, a, a great prospect, totally polished up. And, yeah, the only worries you get is maybe he's a little too smart for his own good if there's such a thing. But outside of that, yeah, I'd, if I got Josh Rosen as a consolation prize, I'd consider myself very lucky. Yeah, and, you know, I think uh, Hugh was also there in Cincinnati when they selected Carson Palmer, if I'm not mistaken. So mm-hmm. uh, we should see how that unfolds. And, yeah, I agree. I mean, all that hogwash, I hear it almost every year. Oh, well, it's not a star-studded draft. It's, it's not a deep draft. There's not a, a lot of talent in this year. You know what? Every year is talented players. You know, every year is a good draft. It's just a matter of finding the talent and – you know, in every round, first, second, seventh, sixth, it's going to be impact players at all rounds. So I don't want to hear that nonsense. But I think, I think you know, when you take the, the top five of the three of us that we just laid out there in the line, I think you can come up with a pretty good consensus top ten and uh, a lot of solid impact players that are going to, you know, be immediate plug-and-play starters at the next level. So, you know, it's been a jam-packed episode. Uh, another hour of power, commercial-free here on NFL's Draft Bible Radio. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for kicking ass and taking names once again here. Nobody does it like you guys. That's uh, Joe Everett at Joe W. Everett, Justin Gamble at Gam Scout. Of course, you know me, RIC, and the place to be, Rick Saratella. Tell it like it is when it comes to the NFL Draft since 2002. You know how we do, and we're going to go out on a short and sweet note. So uh, keep it locked till the next time, everybody. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. Of course, log on to NFLDraftBible.com, and we'll catch you next week, 12 Eastern time, right here, uh, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, NFLDraftBible.com. Go ahead, Joe. Hit it. <laughs> 